Hey, I don't expect uh, you to have seen that movie, Four Feathers, that came out in 2002. Some of you might have, but the movie is set in what was British-held Sudan in 1884. This is in the days when the British Empire was worldwide and Britain ruled much of the world. The film is about a British officer, Jack Durant, who resigns his post right before his regiment was to ship out to fight the rebels. He is labeled a coward for resigning. His closest friends and his fiancée are so disgusted by his resignation, they, they give him four white feathers, the symbol of cowardice. What they don't know is he's got more courage than any of them. He resigned because he was going undercover to fight for the cause of Britain. The clip you saw is of this officer giving a speech where he emphasized that above all else, when soldiers fight, they fight for each other. And on this uh, launch Sunday, where we're launching our groups, uh, where Today we're actually encouraging you to consider getting involved in a group uh, and we're also in this message series called Fight, part of how we fight and part of why we fight. The reason we fight is to support and build each other up as followers of Jesus. And, and groups, I'm going to suggest, empower us to fight for our own lives. They, they empower us to fight for our families, to fight for our city. Um, and, and we fight together to build a group or a team who uh, live and, and, and love like Jesus. Now, you may never have thought of it this way, but, but groups are like fight clubs where you train and grow in how to fight well in this awesome but harsh world that we live in. Okay, not like fight club where the first rule is don't tell anyone. We want you to be real open about the group you're part of and how your group strengthens you in your faith and is just helping you to live and love well in this city. And the things that are important to you, these are things that you have to fight for. They just don't happen all by themselves. And groups help us to fight for the lives in the city that we really want to see. So as we move into our second message in this uh, fight series, we're going to learn how to fight not just as men and women, but as men and women of God. As men and women filled with the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God Almighty. Last week we, we talked about how to fight the un, in the unseen battle that rages uh, beyond what we can see. And We'll keep talking about that throughout this series because that unseen battle hugely impacts the battles that we do see. The mess that we see in this world is hugely impacted by the unseen world. But today, we're going to focus on the visible. Most of our battles are really quite visible, right there, right in your face. Things like the battle for your own health and stability, the battle with addictions, the battle for you to live and love well the battle for your family, the, the battle for a good workplace. Now, truth be told, sometimes I get a little pushback on something like this. Doug, isn't doing a series called Fight a little bit of a violent theme? And isn't Jesus all about peace? And, and then I'll get, Doug, isn't a series called Fight more just a man thing? And, and you're appealing to the violent side of men and leaving women out? Well, today, to kind of respond to all of that, my message is called There is a Time to Throw a Punch and there's a time to turn the cheek. And we're going to see that Jesus does both. And we're going to link this message to a phrase that we use around here at Fort City, uh, gracious barbarian. You see, at Fort City Church, we want to be followers of Jesus who look like gracious barbarians. And that's whether you're a woman or a man, because while men and women are clearly different and bring different gifts and perspectives to what we do, women do not want to be told that they are not capable of fighting as well. Women want to be known as strong and powerful, playing a key role in the fight for the cause of Christ. Now I know, gracious barbarian, that sounds a little bit weird. I get it. 
but I'm hoping its weirdness will stick with you as you imagine what it means to be a Christian. And today, what I want us to see is that a spirit-filled Christian, a, a gracious barbarian, is quite capable of throwing a punch when that's appropriate, but knows when to turn the cheek. So we're going to unpack that in a minute. Now, this being a, a launch Sunday, I want to give you a bit of a picture of just how we see ourselves here at Fort City. You know, what is Fort City all about? Uh, about a year ago, if you've been around here for that length of time, I, I started a conversation about three areas of focus that were driving us at Fort City. As the year has progressed and really coming out of more time of prayer, time of reflection this past summer, and even a day with Andy Stanley a week ago, I think uh, that we could begin to explain the three emphases uh, in this way, that we at Fort City are a community that is Jesus-centered, spirit-empowered, and for the city. Now that's kind of become my new mantra, Jesus-centered, spirit-empowered, for the city. At Fort City, we want to lead people into a Jesus-centered life where we all live and love like Jesus. And friends, if you really think about that, that's huge. And, and we got a good ways to go, right? I mean, I do. But Jesus, he himself said that the core of our faith is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. And, and Jesus goes further and says, there is no commandment greater than these. Add to that, Jesus said, a new command I give you, Love one another as I have loved you. And at that point, he doesn't even tell us to love God. Why? Because the way we love God is by how we love our neighbor. Again, this is huge. The Apostle Paul, he, he takes these words of Jesus and just drives them home. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others, get this, whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments are all summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Do you see how huge that is? The only law we are really bound by as Christians is the law of love. That all of the commands and the imperatives that are found in the New Testament are simply commentary on how to love well. Get this command, get the command to love, and you get it all, all of it. So in the end, it's all about loving well. And if you can love well, your life will flourish now and forever. So we are a Jesus-centered people who experience God's love personally, and then we love others with the same love that Jesus has poured into us. We serve and we live with love. But we're also spirit-empowered. Because we cannot live in love like Jesus without the Holy Spirit filling us and empowering us. It just won't happen without the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to, to help us live and love like Jesus. And here at Fort City, we just want to experience more of the Holy Spirit. We, we want to experience more of His loving, life-transforming power in our lives, like real power. We, we want to see an increase in the hunger around here for God to work through His Spirit and power. Our cry, what I've been praying is, Come, Lord Jesus, through the power of your Holy Spirit and transform us into a people who, as we experience your healing, freedom, and wholeness, are so full of love that they'll know we are Christians by our love. That's what I've been praying. We, we want to experience what God spoke to the prophet Zechariah. Not by might, nor by human power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. So we are Jesus-centered. We are Spirit-empowered. And then... We are for the city. 
I mean, man, we love the city and the people of the city, and, and we want to see the love of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit touch and transform more and more people here in Fort McMurray, including our children, youth, and ours. Okay, if you've hung around Fort McMurray for any length of time, you, you've heard about these mythical characters we've created, McMurray, Mike, and Kim, kind of ordinary, everyday, average Fort McMurrayites. Well, part of being for the city means we will love and serve McMurray, Mike, and Kim and the diversity of their friends and family. The way we do church, the programs we run, our partnership with Youth with Mission, just how you and I live on our streets, at the hockey rink and where we work. Wherever we are, we are for the city. And we will tangibly, practically love the people of our city, including your friends and neighbors. Once again this year, I actually I find myself in the position of being the chairman of the Wood Buffalo Ministerial Association. Why? Because I am for the city. And I believe it takes all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people and that no one church will ever adequately serve the city. We do it together. We, we love together. Now there's this word that God gave the prophet Jeremiah to the people of Israel when they were in exile in Babylon. They'd all been taken away over to another country and they lived uh, away from their homeland for like uh, 70 years. And while living in Fort McMurray is not forced captivity, okay? Well, I know, some people think work camps are and all of that, but you know what I mean. But uh, I, I think this word that God gave Israel is something that we can work for today as we love our city. And Jeremiah writes, or God speaks through Jeremiah and says, And work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I sent you. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Isn't that the truth? We are for the city. We are for the people who live in this city. And it is the Holy Spirit who loves through us as we love our city. Now there's another little mantra that we often use here at Fort City. Everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect. Anything can happen. You've heard it so often, I'm sure the majority of you could probably recite it from heart, I hope. But if you're honest, what this really means is really stretching, right? But if we're Jesus-centered and love like Jesus, then we get that all people matter to God, right? And I'm pretty sure that there's no one here who would say, hey, I'm perfect, and I know some other people who are perfect, right? Nobody's perfect. And praise God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, anything is possible. Everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect. Anything can happen. This makes us for the city, and this makes us for everyone in our city. Okay, a little history. Here's why Christianity took off so quickly after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, back then, there was a period of time when you actually wanted a Christian to live on your street. Because they were so awesome, so, so loving, so caring, so helpful. The followers of Jesus lived and loved their neighbors as themselves, everyone. And they really believed that anything, anything is possible. Hey, these are people who heard Jesus predict his death and resurrection. And, and then it happened, just as he said it would happen. He rose from the dead and he walked among them. Hey, if some guy says he's going to die and raise, rise again and then does it, he might be worth following, right? At, at least check out his message. Early Christians thought so. And they believed if God could raise Jesus from the dead, that anything's possible. They saw the risen Jesus, so they believed anything is possible. And so part of how they loved their neighbor was they prayed for their neighbor because anything is possible. So they loved very practically, incredibly practically, and they prayed 
to the impossible. So the early Christians became what I call gracious barbarians. They were bold with their faith. They, they gave sacrificially of their time, their money, and their resources to spread the faith. And they stood firm when both the Jews and the Roman government tried to exterminate the Christian faith, you know, crucify them, feed them to lions, uh, kind of make sport of watching Christians die in the Roman Colosseum. You know, it really does take a confident, faith-filled, barbarian-like faith to stand up to that kind of stuff. And through that, the Christian faith just grew and grew and not just because they were bold barbarians in the face of persecution, but because they continued to love people, even those who were persecuting them. These Christians were mind-blowing, so full of love, so full of the Holy Spirit. Rodney Stark, he's a historian from Baylor University in Texas. He claims from his research uh, of data from back then and articles and stuff written by the people who were alive then, that it is the way individual Christians loved, even more than the powerful preaching of guys like the Apostle Paul or Peter or Thomas in India that caused the church to grow like wildfire. The church grew like wildfire because the average follower of Jesus was a gracious barbarian full of bold love. Hey, those Christians, they, they just always turned up when there was a need somewhere in a friend's life or a disaster on the street or in the city. When, when famine broke out, they shared their food. When plagues swept the city and everybody was terrorized by the plague, they stayed, they cared for the sick. And apparently, the Christians actually stayed healthier than the population as a whole as they were in the midst of some of the most de devastating disease. It's amazing. And, and this wasn't so much organized by the church, and I'm sure the church did do some organization, but it just so often happened spontaneously. And at the same time, these, these followers of Jesus led their neighbors to faith in Jesus. They, they led people to experience the peace of Jesus at their time of desperate need. And at the same time, you know, there was no government social assistance that gave to widows who had no way to support themselves. So they did it. No one else was doing it. They were bold warriors for the faith whose primary weapon was love. They fought with love and transformed an incredibly violent, sexually perverse, incredibly harsh world into a better existence for the average, everyday person. You wanted a Christian to live near you because they made your life better. The early Christians, they were, it's true, known for their passionate love and their bold faith. They were Jesus-centered, spirit-empowered, and they were for their city or wherever they were living. I mean, they fought strongly for the cause of Christ in the most loving ways possible. They were gracious barbarians. And friends, that is our calling. We need to become that kind of gracious barbarian. They'll know we are Christians by our bold love. They'll know we are Christians not just by our love, but by our faith that believes that anything is possible. By our prayers that trust God for the impossible. Passionate love, bold faith, gracious barbarians. And, and friends, the early Christians were like this because Jesus was like this. Jesus was a gracious barbarian who knew when to throw a punch and when to turn the cheek. It's, it's not one or the other. It's a spirit-led combination of the two. So let's look at Jesus. You know, it, it takes a bit of a bold barbarian to leave all of the comforts of heaven and enter into this harsh world. I mean, it really was a, a harsh world under violent Roman occupation. So God himself comes into this world as one of us, lives among us, and then, 
He's physically tortured and put to death on a Roman cross. Our God willingly did this. That's a gracious barbarian. Take a look at how the Apostle Paul sees Jesus and what he thinks this means for you and me. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, maybe right now you're not feeling the impact of those words. Uh, Think of it this way. As Jesus is being led to his death, he felt it all. You remember that scene where he was lashed? Jesus felt the excruciating pain that came from the sharp stones and glass embedded in the leather whips as they tore his back apart, lash after lash after lash, like 39 of them that ripped his back apart, turning his back into bloody mush. To really get a sense of this, you you might want to watch Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ. It's very powerful and very graphic. Jesus just felt it all, just like you and me would feel it all, right? But what's more amazing, he knew it was coming. He knew it was coming before he came to earth, but still he came. As he was nailed to the cross, he felt each one of those spikes as they were pounded through his body, just like you and I would feel that excruciating pain. And he knew it was coming before he came, but still he came. Friends, that's bold, right? That's courageous. That's being a bit of a barbarian, but a barbarian driven by love. So again, a gracious barbarian, a barbarian with a cause, and his cause is you and his cause is me. His cause is your neighbor. His cause are the people you work with. For God so loved the world. God so loved you that he died in your place and my place paying for our sin. He died for you. That's a gracious barbarian. And Jesus. Let's look at Jesus. Did he always behave with sweetness and gentleness? Not always, right? Some of you, I'm sure, remember what happened just after Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, and it's like maybe a day later. Jesus goes and pays the Jewish temple a visit, and this is a place that is dedicated to the worship of God. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record this, and what happens? Jesus is in the temple, and he goes ballistic, really, or should I say barbaric? Like he becomes a wild man. He runs around and he overturns tables of the money changers. He overturns the benches of those selling doves. He he drives out all the people who are manipulating and taking advantage of the faithful God-honoring Jews by selling them stuff at jacked-up prices in the name of God. Like he totally threw a punch there, right? This is barbaric behavior. And, And this is where Jesus says, you know, my house will be a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers, a den of iniquity. Depending on how you read your Bible, this might not have been the first time Jesus went a bit barbarian in the temple. The Apostle John records a similar incident much earlier in Jesus' ministry. But what John records is even wilder. In this instance, Jesus made a whip out of cords and drove out the vendors and the sheep and the cattle out of the temple. He overturned the tables of those exchanging money. You know, if you've ever been in a crowded market, imagine some wild guy running through with whips driving everyone out. Jesus is going, no! No, no, not on my watch. You will not pervert this place into a place of profit by manipulating people seeking God. Now, 
don't hear me say that, I'm, that we have permission to run around with whips and drive out things we don't like, okay? We're not God. It's not our temple. But still, there is a time to throw a punch. There is a time to fight and push hard for what we know is right. Well, one more scene that I find fascinating. I really don't know what happened here, so I'm imagining a bit what's going on. But Jesus is on the edge of a cliff. He's, he's surrounded by a bunch of hostile guys whose intention is to push him off that cliff and be done with him. And the Apostle Luke tells us he just throws this in. Jesus walked right through that crowd and went on his way. What happened? I don't know. But here's what I don't think happened. I don't think Jesus said, Hey, guys, please stop it, will you, please? No. What I think happened is Jesus stared the crowd down with a terrifying stare that said, Not today, boys. You don't want what might just happen. And the crowd parted and let Jesus through. Luke chapter 4, check it out for yourself. It's really cool. So why talk about this more barbarian side to Jesus? Well, it's because I believe that wired into all of us, I believe God made us all this way, and I'm talking men and women, wired into all of us is a deep desire to fight for what we believe is right, to stand up for what is true, what is pure, what is just. It's in you because you are made in the image of God. It's just that not all people fight for the right causes. But the passion in us to fight for what we believe is right is deep inside all of us. And this is how Moses describes our God. The Lord is a warrior. Or or take a look at the picture of our God that the Apostle John describes in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he does what? He judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and his thigh he has the name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Did you catch it? Our God has a tattoo on us thigh. Take that, you Christians who think tattoos are sin, okay? Just friends. This is Jesus, my Savior, right? Simultaneously, he is gracious, full of grace and truth, full of love and justice. He's always ready to turn the cheek, and at the same time, he'll take action. He'll act powerfully for what is right. He is the greatest servant who ever lived, and he is the greatest warrior who ever lived. And you and me, made in the image of this God, we have a bit of that warrior spirit, that gracious barbarian in us that we can use for good. So, if God has made us with a heart to fight for what is right and what is just, what are you fighting for? Are you fighting for the things that are close to God's heart? Are you fighting for your family, that they would know Jesus, that your kids would know Jesus personally and walk with Jesus like Rebecca's parents have done for her? Are you fighting for your marriage, doing all that you can to make it work for the sake of your kids, for for the sake of your spouse, for your own sake, and when you think about it, for the sake of the generations to come? Are you fighting for your finances, fighting to get out of debt, fighting to manage what you possess wisely, and fighting to be able to give some of your finances away to causes close to God's heart? Maybe there's an addiction that's been taking you down for years, a substance or pornography, 
Are you willing to fight for your own victory and seek God to do battle with you? Will you fight to see God's kingdom come, God's will done on earth as it is in heaven? Will you fight by being a part of our youth ministry, our kids' ministry, hospitality team, tech team? Will, will you fight with Fort City for the sake of our city? Or, or maybe it's a cause like clean drinking water or the sex trade or a compassion child. Will you be a bit of a barbarian and fight for the work of God in our world? God has given you the heart of a warrior. Will you use it for good? So what I'm saying is, Sometimes as Christians, you just stand your ground. Sometimes you push forward. Sometimes you throw a punch. Sometimes. But the strongest thing I think you can do is turn a cheek. Jesus said this. You've heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Dang. I was really liking all that throwing a punch stuff, right? Do I really have to turn a cheek? That sounds so wussy. Do you remember when, some of you will, when Jesus rebuked Peter when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? I remember Jesus knew what was about to happen. He knew that he was about to die. And this Jewish mob with Roman soldiers came to take Jesus away. Remember Peter? Pulls out a sword. Yes, Peter carried a weapon with him as he traveled with Jesus. I like Peter, okay? I will admit that, okay? And Peter pulls out this sword and cuts off the ear of one of the soldiers who came to arrest Jesus. Can you imagine the scene? I mean, this really is a bloody mess. I don't know if you've ever done anything with, with head wounds. and I don't have time. I could tell you some really amazing, gory head wound stories, like with my kids and everything. It's awesome. But anyways... Why did Peter cut off his ear? Because he had bad aim, okay? He wasn't going, hey, watch this, I'm going to cut off his ear. No, he was going to, he wanted to take his head off and he missed, okay? I'm not sure what to think, Peter, now, but anyways. And Jesus is like, Peter, Peter, would you pick up the ear? And Jesus' power heals and reattaches that ear to the soldier or something like that. And, and Jesus is saying, hey, Peter, we're not doing it that way. This is not one of those battles. And then, enter Judas. Judas comes and kisses Jesus on the cheek. Jesus turns his cheek to Judas, and Judas lets him, and Jesus lets Judas betray him. And, and here's the truth we really need to know. Our best weapon is always God's love at work through us. Can I say that again? Our best weapon is always God's love at work through us. And you have to learn to fight, not just by throwing a punch, but we fight like warriors of God when we fight with unconditional love. We let the love of God flow through us as warriors and servants at the same time. So gracious barbarians are people who are not pushovers, but who boldly love. Last week we talked about the weapons of prayer and God's word as we fight the unseen world. Well, when it comes to fighting in the seen world, when it comes to fighting for your family, for your neighbors, for your work associates, for your city, the weapon of choice is love. And that's the mission of Fort City. We, we want to reach our city with the life-transforming love of Jesus, and we want to do that by helping you to become that gracious barbarian who serves with love, who fights with love, because we want to see your life and lives of people throughout our city change for the better because of Jesus. So will you link up with us? 
Will you fight with Fort City? Will you fight with love as together we are for the city? Sure. There's a time to throw a punch and a time to turn the cheek. But either way, our, our most powerful weapon is love. When you love first, when you love boldly, it will change your home. It will change where you work. And as we love boldly together, it will change this city. You ready to jump on and begin to use love a little more? Would you bow with me as we pray that God would be growing us into gracious barbarians who just serve and fight with love? Let's pray. Father God, our, our prayer is really simple today. Would you fill us more, with more of your spirit? Would you fill us with your love? Would you empower us to live and love boldly in our homes, on our streets, uh, where we work? Will you draw us together as a church family so that we together love this city well, so that they'll know we're Christians by our bold love? And in the process, would hundreds, if not thousands in our city, including our youth and kids, come to know the power of the love of Jesus for themselves? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.